0: Tension, the podcast about the spiritual discipline of asking questions my name is Stephen bradford long this is the christmas episode it is christmas morning i'm actually recording this a uh, a month in advance and so i'm assuming that the world is still intact i'm assuming that we are all still alive on christmas day but with trump being president i don't i you never know it's anybody's These, guess it's anybody's guess um so i fucking hate christmas <laughs>
1: that should be a T shirt. Okay, it, it, it,
0: and yeah. I'm and uh, <laughs> yeah. I am here with Donald. Say hello, Donald. Hello. And I'm here with Danielle. Hi. So I figured that most of my listeners, they wouldn't be around Christmas Day. They'll be off being miserable with family, being deeply unhappy, feeling obligated to do things they don't want to do with people they don't like to be around. I'm sensing a little (laughs) hostility, A
1: little resentment.
0: A little bit of resentment. I don't know what
2: y'all talking about. I love my family.
0: So we're just going to have a roundtable discussion here. I've uh, sent out some questions to Twitter to answer, and so maybe we can get some questions there for uh for those of you who are feeling lonely and miserable on christmas day uh this is for you i expect we won't have i expect we won't have many listeners but if so that's great let's see if we have any questions so here's a question from kyle tyson and this is for you danielle so danielle you are a former catholic Mm -hmm. i think i think this i just heard a bang (laughs) okay I think this guy misunderstood my question. Uh, what made her leave Catholicism for Pentecostalism? Oh, but, but you're not Pentecostal. No, Donald, you're the Pentecostal. I'm the Pentecostal. All right. Yes. And how different are their attitudes and beliefs when it comes to women and LGBT issues? Okay, so I mean, so actually we can actually, talk about that. We can we talk, can talk about, about that. We can yeah. talk about this. So we have a Pentecostal in the room. We mm-hmm. have Donald Guffey, who is a Pentecostal minister.
2: I am. Yes, okay. I'm ordained in a. One of the largest Pentecostal denominations.
0: Awesome. And then we have Danielle King, who is a former Catholic, now Episcopalian. Yep. And would you consider yourself still Catholic, maybe just not Roman Catholic?
1: <sighs> Essentially. Okay. I mean, it feels like the coward's way out, but I actually do think of it that way. Okay. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Let's just go with what made you leave Catholicism?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, that's a
0: big question. That's
1: a really big question. And we, can,
0: I, I we can, almost. I mean, we
1: can get it. Stephen almost became Catholic. Yes, he uh, attended RCIA for a period of time. Uh, that's uh, adult religious confirmation classes, like the sort of lead up to if you want to be confirmed, you have to take these classes. So Stephen did that for a period of time, but decided not to be confirmed. Whereas I, be- I took RCIA classes and became Catholic Easter of 2010. And, you know, spent a number of years as a practicing Catholic. I'm still grappling with why I left, honestly. I'm not sure I completely know, even now. Um, I would say I was a very consistently practicing Catholic for five years.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: and then it was a gradual... You were
0: very devout. I was. And yeah. then there
1: was a gradual uh, stepping back. And, uh, yeah, no, the, the process was gradual in terms of transitioning out of being a practicing Catholic into now joining an Episcopal church. And, um, I think the biggest thing in the end that drove me away from Catholicism was surety, was this idea that we know all of these things and we know them for sure. And,
0: um, what kinds of things?
1: Oh, well, I mean the very fact that there's a doctrine of papal infallibility like that's it's very it's, it,
0: the, that surety is kind definitive. of definitive definite it's kind yeah. of written in it's, to... it's kind of
1: part of the fabric of of catholicism at this point point. Yes. and that wasn't always true papal infallibility was not always a doctrine but uh the catholic church also seems to be moving more in that direction even under you know a pope like francis the catholic church in the modern age, definitely seems to be moving away from mystery and towards a very interesting kind of, I might even call it fundamentalism. Yes. And I am suspicious of fundamentalism wherever I find it. Of all Um, kinds. And yeah, that that really started to to wear on me. Mm. And I think in the end I just got tired. Yeah. I got tired of being told, well, that's the answer. Why? Because it is. And uh, granted, there were often more elaborate answers than because it is. But in the end, um, a lot of my questions simply boiled down to because the church says so. And we know for sure because we are it. The end.
0: Yeah. Um, and it, and yeah. it's kind of this this loop of
1: mm-hmm.
0: a, a friend of mine said at one point, well, you know, if you accept that the church is infallible in all her teachings, then it just Uh, then by logical extension all her teachings are true yeah and so then if you accept that the church is infallible you accept her teachings as true Mm -hmm. the end period and so it all it it comes it creates kind of this closed circuit this loop
1: but and now that I think about it more if I had to point to to something that really I think in the end pushed me away it was it was this it was this I don't want to call it a paradox because I don't, I don't think that's accurate. But it was it was the idea that there could be so many priests in the church who had, say, molested children, and that the church was going to protect them and not only protect them from consequences, but put them into positions again and again and, and again, again, and where again. they could molest more children.
0: Exactly. Um, that it,
1: that I think was one of the biggest things that I said. I I can't. Follow the moral authority of this church. And here's the thing I fully accept that priests are human beings, that they are in persona Christi, but that they are still human. They are going to sin. Of course they are. And of course the grace of God is enough to cover that. It's not that priests fell into sin. It is how the hierarchy of the church responded to that sin.
0: That these scandals mm-hmm. were known all the way up. Oh
1: yeah, no, no. all the way
0: up to the Everyone highest knew. highest levels of the Vatican, and nothing
1: was allowed to be done about it. And and I don't even necessarily mean punitively. I don't necessarily want to see these men, you know, rot in jail or or suffer, you know, harsh physical consequences. They, I, I accept the idea that that perhaps there's something about their psyches or, you know, that there, that there was some mitigating... Maybe a
0: lot of them just need to be in,
2: uh, in psych wards.
1: Maybe. All I'm and saying is... maybe they is just need
2: to be able to get married.
1: Maybe that... And that was the other thing, that in the face of all of this horror, the church was not willing to say, perhaps we should re-examine the, the issue of mandatory celibacy for priests. Perhaps we should re-examine this issue. Also, I think in the end... The idea that the church has not, will never, uh, re-examine the possibility of female priests. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in light of even the fact that they are willing to to protect and allow pedophile priests to find new victims in new parishes. But can I say it, Stephen? Absolutely. But my vagina gets in the way of the Holy Spirit.
0: Ex- yes. I
1: am not okay with it.
0: Neither am I. Um, the, f- neither. The fact that they would that they will excommunicate a nun for for administering the sacraments, but the priest that has repeatedly molested children over and over and over again over decades yes. gets a free pass and in yes. fact gets protected and mm-hmm. every day gets to administer the sacraments is problematic
1: it is it is very problematic and the idea that that kind of body making those kinds of decisions that I have to affirm say that that decision well actually I don't know that I have to def- to affirm that that decision is infallible I suppose I don't that's that's ma- a matter of policy not of doctrine yes but the idea that a that a church that is going to to propagate that policy for decades I'm going to trust them to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, administer infallible dogma, that troubles me.
0: Absolutely. That very much troubles me. Me too.
1: And I feel as though if I were to continue to be under the unquestioning moral authority of that church body, it would feel as though I were being complicit
3: Hmm. Mm -hmm. in
1: that scandal. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that, I mean, many arguments could be made about that, but that's simply on a gut level. Yeah. That's where I landed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, really, I feel like leaving some, the the process of leaving something so huge like the Catholic Church, it really comes down to something very deep, like intuition. Yes. It mm-hmm. it comes down to a deep gut decision. And I know, P, you know, Patrick Goffman, who I just had on the show uh, a month ago, he has decided to stay in the Catholic Church to try to create some change. And that's, mm-hmm. I guess, where his gut has... Has led him, but then there are other people who just can't do that. And
1: I thought about that, and that, honestly, and that's a noble thing. Yeah, that's no, a that's very a noble, wonderful thing. thing. I, I thought about that, and quite frankly, that may be something that happens in the future. That may be. I, I've married a man who was uh, raised Catholic, went to Catholic school, so for him, Catholicism is very instinctual. It's, it's where he feels most at home. It's his sort of mm. religious mother tongue, and he has confided to me that he sometimes feels the pull in his navel to, you know, return to Catholicism. So that's, that's not something that's off the table for us to maybe return at some point to the Catholic Church with the understanding uh, of attempting to, of, of saying, yes, we're here, we're Catholic, and we're going to be dissenters and you're going to have to deal with us. But for right now, I feel like the Episcopal Church is is the right place to be.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Donald, what what brought you to Pentecostalism? Since we're telling origin stories, okay. how we <laughs> how we became the fabulous superheroes that we are today? How did you come to being Pentecostal? I
2: was born into it. Okay. Um, my family's root. My family's root in Pentecostalism goes back six generations. Oddly enough, that first the first among us that was. Pentecostal was my great-grandmother's grandmother. Mm. I'm not sure how many greats that is for me, but <laughs> uh, that's why I describe it that way. She received the Pentecostal experience, which for those who don't know what that is, that we call that the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yes. Which is a... Um, uh, kind of an ecstatic, mystical experience that happens, we say happens after salvation. Mm. And
0: it usually involves speaking in tongues. It, it, yes. It
2: doesn't necessarily need to. Depends on what denomination you on, what on what to. Depends
1: on your flavor. Of okay, podcast. yes.
2: Uh, the, the one that I was raised in and the one that I'm ordained in still holds that, as we put it, the initial physical evidence of that experience is speaking in tongues. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, she re- so she received that blessing, didn't know what it was. There was no Pentecostal church in that particular area of the Avery County Mountains. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there on, she proceeded, because nobody told her she couldn't, to basically start, to my knowledge, the first Pentecostal gathering mm-hmm. in that area. People would come... The story that my great-grandmother tells me is that people would come in wagons and things, and she would preach from her porch. That's awesome. Oh, my. And uh, <laughs> she was also a healing evangelist. Mm. Uh, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of things come from her. Okay. Uh,
0: so you really come from a, a long generational tradition of mm-hmm. being Pentecostal. And not only that, but you're from old Appalachian stock.
2: Yes, I am. So Uh, you
0: really come from a corner of Christianity that maybe many people aren't uh -uh. very familiar with or connected with. It's a very distinct culture. Yes,
2: I grew up in the uh, Church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee. Okay. And it was started in Cherokee County, Mm. right on the border between North Carolina and Tennessee. Mm. And they actually experienced that phenomenon about a decade before the Azusa Street Revival. Okay, And so the Church of God Cleveland is very much so the first Pentecostal church.
0: Describe for people who may not know what the Azusa Street Revival is. The Azusa
2: Street Revival was started by a man named William J. Seymour, Mm -hmm. who was a uh, one-eyed black man, as as the papers described him. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. And (gasps) uh, this was in 1912. So at a time that African Americans really shouldn't have been able to be as influential as he was but he was that influential Mm -hmm. started a prayer meeting at the apostolic faith mission in los angeles Mm -hmm. and that is the that has been by all the pentecostal denominations agreed upon as the epicenter of the pentecostal movement okay. in the modern mm-hmm. time sure now you ask any of us we'll say the pentecostal church began in acts chapter 2
1: well sure sure
2: and uh but <laughs> in the modern day semantics
1: yes yeah, semantics <laughs>
2: but in the modern day in the modern day it was the azusa street revival in the 20th that, century that it was the spread azusa it worldwide street to now we are yeah. the last statistic i heard were 600 million strong wow, wow. Okay. Not just not the Church of God, but that's just one denomination among many.
0: Okay. So now, the question that was asked on Twitter uh, also asked, what are the attitudes towards LGBT people between the, the
2: Catholic Church and the Pentecostal Church? Not so good.
0: That's a strange juxtaposition.
2: Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's very interesting. But it mean, might be one of the things that we've actually historically agreed on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. One of the few things.
1: Didn't he include women in that question, or was it just LGBTQ?
2: Let me, uh, let me see. Because that will be an interesting discussion between the two of us. Speaking
1: as what? Am I the only woman you've ever had on the podcast?
2: Right now, yes. Ha! I'm
0: going to. I'm, I'm <laughs> Transetter. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm working very hard to not make you know the podcast just just a sausage park just just a men's club.
2: Yeah, LGBT yeah. women men still count as men. They do. Yes. They women do. and LGBT issues. Okay. Both. Okay. Yep. So okay. Both. So, what do you want to start with?
1: Oh, let's start with Pentecostalism. We're on a roll with that. Okay. I mean,
2: do you want to start with LGBT or start with the women's issue? Um Well, clearly from my origin story, that's one of the things that has been very unique about Pentecostalism is that Mm -hmm. we have consistently some better than us some denominations better than others, for sure. But there has been a consistent agreement that women ...are called to the ministry, and because of that, by the Holy Spirit, of course. And since the Holy Spirit baptizes all flesh, men and women, Mm -hmm. that equips them to serve. They're just as equipped as men are. And as a matter of fact, the statement can very well be made that if it wasn't for women ministers... There would be no Pentecostalism. Like right. Amy Simple McPherson. Just like uh, Amy Simple McPherson, one or of my heroes. Great,
1: whatever it is, grandmother. My, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Many, many women pastors in the heritage of, of Pentecostalism. As a matter of fact, women tend to be able to out preach the men by a long shot.
0: Not surprising, in my opinion. No. <laughs>
2: no.
0: <laughs> so, so Pentecostalism has a pretty good track record with women.
2: Pretty good. The, what's interesting, though, is we're in a phenomenon right now that we're expe- we are seeing in twenty seventeen. We're seeing all time lows hmm. of,
1: mm. of, of, of female ministers.
2: Well, we're seeing. Like I can only speak for the denomination I'm in, because mm-hmm. that's the only statistics I know right offhand. We have a. Buttload of credentialed ministers, mm-hmm. so that 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 hold a uh, licensure, or hold ordination, but the number of senior pastors okay. that are women is drastically mismatched. Mismatched. So it's mm-hmm. really just like any
0: other, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically any other field where well, the and, men yeah. men yes. outstrip the women.
2: But and part of what makes it a little more difficult is in my particular denomination, we are a a Presbyterian based government, mm-hmm. congregational. Yes. Uh, as opposed to the denomination I grew up in, the Church of God, which was Episcopalian government. Mm-hmm. So,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
2: that is,
1: meaning. Uh, church hierarchy. Church hierarchy. Yeah, bishop. Bishops. Basi-
2: yeah, yeah, basically, in the, there was a time in the Church of God that the church was allowed to vote on a pastor, but if they could not, the local overseer or bishop could appoint.
1: Gotcha. And mm-hmm. so.
2: That's always... So I've noticed in, like, mainline denominations, like the Methodist Church, the Episcopal Church, where it's the bishop who ultimately says... Who ultimately ultimately makes the decision. This is where you go, is where women are more utilized because they don't give people a choice. In my denomination, every church is sovereign, Mm. Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: which means they make their own decisions, they have their own bylaws. It is
0: truly a democracy, which may or may not be a good thing. The
2: only authority the bishop has is over the ministers and so it's the it's the individual church who hires the who hires their pastor mm. and a very little time do they hire women so what yeah. about LGBT issues it goes to one of two extremes okay it goes to very outspokenly anti LGBT to we're just not going to talk about it
3: mm. mm-hmm Mm -hmm.
2: You know, we're going to just avoid the issue. Sure. And uh, I don't think there's not many of us. And very ex-gay. Very ex-gay. Like
0: like Exodus International, which which was the flagship ex-gay organization, ex-gay for those who don't know, Mm -hmm. being the attempts to change gay to straight, uh, Exodus International was pretty much rooted in Pentecostalism. Alan
2: Chambers was a member of the denomination I'm ordained under.
0: Okay. Yes,
1: my and, goodness. And possibly hmm. still
2: is. Okay. However, there does seem to be a shift happening, at least among the, the educated. That's another thing I need to mention about Pentecostalism. Unlike, sorry, I popped my knuckle. That's okay. <laughs> unlike other denominations in the mainline church, and by mainline I mean you know, Episcopalian, Methodist, Presbyterian that require that their ordained ministers have a Master of Divinity degree. Mm-hmm. Pentecostalism has always been all about the, the Holy Spirit the, the and, personal, expe- yeah. and mm-hmm. personal experience. So uh, we've never required a large amount of education. As a matter of fact, for the longest time, there was a huge anti-education sentiment. And that still exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though Pentecostal denominations do, in fact, have universities. Mm-hmm. I attend one. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, I attend but a seminary. there's still an
1: anti-intellectual yes. undercurrent happening.
2: There is. Yeah. There, there were mm-hmm. se- the, the old joke was the seminary was the cemetery where oh the Holy Spirit goes to die.
1: Ooh ooh I have so many things to <laughs> and, say to that. Uh, <laughs> mm.
0: So here's an interesting question from another listener. I'm trying to I'm trying to understand from what angle he's coming from. This is to Donald and the uh, Pentecostal church uh this is from David Dougherty Jeb I would I would like the minister to articulate how same-sex marriage would damage the matrimonial relationships of heteronormative couples
1: oh he's coming from an angle of resentment and bitterness Re- resentment and bitterness which I understand
0: or I got my first troll <laughs> or well, it, or well, it's no, ironic no yeah. I, it think might be. He's, I think
1: what he's saying is of course it wouldn't
2: of course it yeah, wouldn't. No. He might be assuming that you're... Uh, that, that you're I, not
1: affirming, yeah. I,
2: and that's not true, which is why I have to be careful with last names and specifics because I actually am one of the few Pentecostal yes. ministers who is affirming.
0: You wouldn't be my friend. I mean, you you can't be... No. As good a friend <laughs> no.
2: to me and <laughs> for are. so many years mm-hmm. and not be affirming. Exactly. And as a matter of fact, you're... It's all your fault. Well, you're welcome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. No, no. And, um, yeah, no, to to go for that question, because it it does kind of sound like he's assuming that Donald's not affirming. And, of course, it wouldn't. It wouldn't at all. It doesn't yeah. at all. Yeah, it no. does,
2: uh, well since he's asking the minister in the group. I will say that it does read the question to me okay. one more time. Okay. I would like the
0: minister to articulate how The s- minister. The minister. I have a name, darling. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would like to I would like the minister to articulate how same-sex marriage would damage the matrimonial relationships of heteronormative couples.
2: The only way it would damage that is if they broke up with each other and married a gay person. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which case can happen which can ha- I've known that to oh happen my. many
0: times but that's because they were they were gay to, to begin, begin with. with exactly and you know I the, agree basically the only thing you need to worry about is is if you're secretly gay
3: mhm
2: yeah, in which case it's probably the church's fault for making you get married in a heterosexual relationship in the first place.
1: We're giving you only that option. Uh, giving you only most, that option. You know that or or celibacy. Or
2: celibacy, and uh, okay, well, so, so yeah, it it won't. I, <laughs> listen, my bottom line doesn't come from the church; it comes from uh, Wanda Sachs. <laughs> if you don't believe in gay marriage, don't marry a gay person. Absolutely.
1: Essentially. Yeah, no. I, um, anyway.
2: All right. <sighs> so
0: we're at the very end of 2017. How's this year been? This is the very last episode of the year. It's been a crazy year with the podcast. I've, uh, I think by the time this episode comes out, it will be like maybe the 18th episode. Something like that. Something like that. And so it's been a crazy year for me because it's been a massive learning curve doing this podcast and working and doing the blog and being a functional human being. But what's the year been like for the rest of you?
2: It's been a roller coaster. What about you?
1: Oh gosh. Um,
2: well, you got married. I for did. A while. I got
1: married. Yay! Yay.
2: I, and uh, I moved. I think show? that same week.
1: You did, and Donald was invited to the wedding, but he couldn't come because he was moving to Tennessee. And I was
2: in the wedding.
1: Yes, he was. And uh, looked, he was—he was a grumpy, introverted bear about it, but that's all right.
2: I—I was—I <laughs> was somewhat Were you supposed to sing at her wedding. No, no, no I don't no, sing no, anymore. No.
1: Wow. Um, um yeah.
0: I uh I was miserable.
1: Oh.
0: But sorry. I but I was there because I love you and Ben. Exactly.
1: Thank so you. So you got married. We got married and that, you know, of course, is a, a big whole life milestone it's been. It's been fabulous so far. Good. Um and also I uh, lost a job that I love over being affirming. Oh so tele- that was a learning talk. and growing experience. Oh, no. Let's talk yeah. about that.
2: This is kind of so, this kind of leads into your charismatic roots. It too. does.
1: It does. So okay. So when I was, it, let's go to the back to the very beginning. Um, <laughs> when I was in high school, actually <laughs> Stephen good place introduced to start. me. exactly
0: when we were in high school. <laughs> when, I... <laughs> when
1: Stephen and I were in high school, yeah, no, many, many, um, many moons ago, it's so long. Stephen introduced me to a ministry, a Presbyterian ministry that te- whose purpose defined purpose is to, I mean, evangelize. Yes but also to educate people who are already Christians about the work and person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, specifically the work and person of Am the I, Holy Spirit. My
0: agnostic it... and atheist listeners are going, what the,
1: what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm speaking. I'm gonna throw a lot of Christianese out here. I'm gonna speak a lot of it. Warning: I'm sorry. <laughs> We're we're entering
2: the Christian evangelical a, zone. You so might that, need a
1: translator. <laughs> so
2: yes, as the as the Pentecostal minister in the room, I will do a little translation here mm-hmm. at the get go. Pentecostal and charismatic are interchangeable terms, pretty much. Yes. There's historical differences that I could nuance, but I won't because we have a limited time span. <laughs> And as a Pentecostal, I'm long-winded. So, uh, so, <laughs> but essentially, the Pentecostal movement, when people started experiencing these mystical experiences, like mm-hmm. the baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, spiritual warfare stuff, mm-hmm. and that's exactly as horrifying as it sounds. It mm-hmm. is. It Just is. so you know. Yeah. But when people would experience these things and then go and try to share them, in their mainline churches, the mainline churches gave them the left foot of fellowship, which is Christianese mm-hmm. for they kicked their butt out. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and
1: uh, they, they, they looked at the Muscans and said, well, then leave. Mm-hmm. And
2: we did and started our own denominations. We didn't want to, like any mm-hmm. other of the Reformation movements. Wesley didn't want to stop being Anglican. We didn't want to stop being whatever it was we were. But we were forced to. Well, fast forward from the early 1900s to the late 1900s. Mm -hmm. So, 70s, 80s, 90s, roundabout there. The Jesus movement, essentially. These spiritual experiences started being had by Mm -hmm. Roman Catholics, Mm -hmm. Episcopalians, Lutherans, Mm -hmm. Mennonites, Mm -hmm. Presbyterians, mainline Protestants. And the hippie movement. And the hippie movement. Mm -hmm. And these people suddenly were not being kicked out of their churches. So what they would do is essentially they would just add the the exper- these experiences onto their already held doctrines, and that hmm. is charismatic. That is what yes. charismatic is. So
1: you might say, and in fact, I've experienced this. There are charismatic Catholics in the world who are still fully Catholic, but also experience uh, certain spectacular and and uh, and specific to a to a time and place. Manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Yes, uh, and so the the ministry that Stephen introduced me to is a Presbyterian version of that, uh, and his and uh, typically and historically, could be wrong about this, but I, I certainly get the impression that the Presbyterian Church, by is and large, not is f- not friendly.
0: Not friendly. <laughs> not friendly to
1: these experiences. We didn't um,
0: lack them either. Yeah. Calvin Calvin was not big
1: mm-hmm. on about on uh, on these sort of uh, you know gifts of the spirit or or. Yeah. Yeah, on these gifts of the Spirit. The as frozen
2: like chosen them. is what we used to call. <laughs> <laughs> <presbytery>. That's <laughs> what we used and, to call and some, ourselves. <laughs> and some went so far
1: as to be cessationalists, which means not sensational, but cessational, meaning that uh, they believe that these sort of uh, spectacular, supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit were uh, given for the apostles to spread the gospel through the world, and then once the apostolic generation had done that, they stopped happening Mm. that God no longer works that way Mm -hmm. yeah no so I ended up involved with this ministry in high school I, I I attended their their youth function as a high schooler and then later for many 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 years volunteered with their youth program and you know cooked and and
2: Cooked wonderful by the way. <laughs> That's where I'm made. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was I was a I was head kitchen lady for for that event, that week long <clears> event <throat> for many years, and um, all on a volunteer basis. So this is an organization with whom I have a long history. Yeah, we we just we go way back. We go way back. Uh, a lot of the the leadership of this organization were mentors, are mentors of mine, and this ministry uh, stepped in and said, Hey, we need somebody essentially to do odd jobs. On a uh, on a freelance basis, and that's how I started working for this ministry. And again, at first, it was it was very much on a freelance basis. I'd cook for an event. Uh, I'd help put out an electronic newsletter. Uh, and then, as as the months went by, my role expanded and grew. And they are a nonprofit, and so uh, I try to say this without you know without well I say without resentment, but they are a nonprofit. And let's just say. That it wasn't the most remunerative job, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the work, and um, and I certainly was on board with their teaching about the work in person of the Holy Spirit. Fast forward to the summer of 2017, uh, I got married in late May. I was offered a more permanent position. Essentially, I was going to come on as part of their staff, uh, which I was I was very happy about. But it was re- it was also revealed that. As a staff person, as opposed to someone who is working, you know, on an as-needed contractual freelance basis, I would have to assign their, affirm their updated statement of faith, which did not, in so many words, exclude, Mm -hmm. (laughs) exclude or disavow LGBTQ relationships, but essentially made it a criteria of Christian orthodoxy that a person believe, and I quote, That Christian marriage is between one man and one woman. There are so many things I could unpack about that. There are so many angles that one could come at that from. And now is not necessarily the place of the time. Long story short, I could not affirm that updated statement of faith. And um, and I I would have had the option, at least that's the impression I get, to remain uh, working for them on a contractual basis. But I chose not to do that as so, a matter
0: of conscience. Yes, <clears throat>
1: yes. Well, and as a matter of practicality, as I'm with, with no both. with no chance for advancement <clears throat> ever to being an actual staff person, and always on an as-needed basis, with no you know no job security, no benefits, no nothing. Uh, Long term, that's not great. That's not practical. And uh, but also yes, because there were there were some other stances that this ministry was taking that I felt. Uh, very uncomfortable with
0: sure and you know sort of
1: politically yeah
0: i can't tell you how many times that i've seen this kind of thing pop up lately especially within the past two three years and you know i just uh earlier this year had that long conversation with matt langston who is the front man of the band 117 and was a professor at montreal college and he was kicked out of montreal for not being able to sign this newly drawn up covenant that you have to sign in order to remain at work there. It's almost like a lot of these conservative churches are drawing this hard line in the sand mm-hmm. and saying we can't have dissonance, we can't have any disagreement on yeah. these. We
1: cannot have any dissent. You are either for us or you are you are against us. And what
0: determines yeah. whether you are for us or against us is, is this. What, is this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know there are a lot of angles, there are a lot of approaches that we could take on that. It, you know in a in way and and this is something that i've thought about since doing the nashville statement series in a way i'm i'm glad that mm-hmm. people are making their convictions clear mm-hmm. as a gay person as someone who is gay i'm i'm glad that people are now telling me what they actually think about me
4: huh.
0: that i don't i'm someone who values honesty and and clarity and I don't want people to pretend to be nice to me while they're sitting across the table from me thinking I'm going to hell. I will always be cordial, I will always be pleasant. I will I'll try to always and I'm and I'm not opposed to having friendships with people who disagree with me, but if someone has that kind of hard disagreement about my fundamental essence as a human being, I want them to tell me. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know that. And so in, in one way, I'm glad
3: mm-hmm. that
0: people are, are drawing these hard lines, but it's the making it a matter of, of doctrine. It is the making- Of orthodoxy. Of orthodoxy. Yeah, of
1: orthodoxy versus heresy. Yeah. That
0: is where the issue comes in for me, I think. And
1: well, it, and it just, it strikes me as so incredibly, and I mean incredibly ironic that all of these Reformation denominations are now essentially saying- we're your Pope. Yeah, <laughs> we exactly. We have to decide. That's what makes, yeah.
2: that's what makes it so <laughs> difficult is because I do still belong to a denomination that has taken a stance on that, except for the fact that they refuse to put that in their 16 fundamentals, and I just gave away which denomination it is, oh, Well, 16 fundamental truth statement.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: That's not included. That's in position papers and I just renewed my credentials, and all it asks me is, do you tithe? Yes. Do you give to missions? Yes, because I tithe, so Mm -hmm. a portion of that goes to to missions. Do you affirm the 16 fundamental truths? Mm -hmm. Yes. That's all they ask. Yeah. So as long as they, we're, most of us are safe, as long as we're not openly, openly affirming, uh, which sucks on a bunch of levels. And uh, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I've been tempted to leave many times. <clears throat> but at the same time, I feel like if we all leave, then what? Then nothing's gonna. Then be what's left
0: well, are the. Then what's left are the people who are just awful.
1: Honestly, in my experience, and you know, this is going to be an interesting dynamic in the years going forward. But people like the leadership of the ministry I mentioned aren't going to live forever.
0: No, they're, And, increasingly, they're in and their...
1: increasingly and increasingly and uh, increasingly, I find that people my age and younger especially are not willing to go along with this. Absolutely. Right. And so I think to some degree, they're simply going to limit themselves out of existence.
0: I think so too. That
1: or experience a fundamental change as the young people get a little older and, and take over from from others. You know, that, yes. And that might not be true of, of everywhere, um, but in my experience, that's kind of what's but going on.
0: Definitely, in a lot of these denominations, definitely in America, mm-hmm. in Presbyterianism, in a lot of the mainline denominations, and maybe even Pentecostalism—I don't know—there is this sea change. You know, I what I guess what I'm hearing, I. What I'm hearing here is stuff that I have heard so many times from so many different people, from ministers, from youth pastors, from from college professors to just lay people, mm-hmm. is that there is this incredible shift happening in the church regarding LGBT issues. And either people are really doubling down on not affirming lgbt people or they're in this or their minds are opening and they're saying well maybe this is okay and they don't feel like they have a place to explore that because the church to even
1: ask that question to even ask that question that is the question we can't ask and you know what guys you know what these kinds of changes have happened in the church before they have happened in the church before. Again, I mentioned that I find it ironic that certain uh, denominations whose roots are in the Reformation are so, you know, so adamant, so line in the sand, so church tradition about this.
2: What I think is happening, the fundamental shift is now that the LGBT community is so much more visible yes. than they used to be. Yes.
1: And particularly... LGBTQ people of faith. L- of faith.
2: Everyone knows someone who's gay at this yes, point. Yes, and well, I don't know that everybody does. Well, well a, lot, everybody. a lot of a lot of because do. I feel like the people that are still arguing the issue as a doctrine mm. mm-hmm. clearly don't. Because what has, or at least, in or my or maybe
0: yeah, they don't. Or the the reality of 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 real human beings who are gay, just hasn't struck them yet. Yes. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Because I know that, I, I, I jokingly said earlier, you know, it's your fault. But <laughs> but, but part, but you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is I think more millennials look at the human element of things mm-hmm. first. I think so. And so when you know a person who mm. is LGBT and you see... You know, you see them in a healthy position. You see them in an unhealthy position. Mm-hmm. And when, at least in 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 your story, seeing you the healthiest you've ever been,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and in a committed and in a relationship. Com- and
2: part of yeah. mo- well, that's almost entirely because
1: yeah, you yes. found John
2: yeah. absolutely. You the know, the two
1: are are incredibly interconnected.
2: Y- yeah, you cannot. You cannot say that that was not a good thing, mm-hmm. mm. and I was a hot mess. You were I... a hot mess
0: <laughs> for years.
2: But that's a sen- but you know but that's essentially what we're doing is ministers are at the end of the day not all of us are professional theologians. Mm. You know we don't stay in the ivory tower of academia. If we are in pastoral ministry, we're we're in the field dealing with people. Yes, and that's one reason. By the way, I didn't know if you—I kn- don't know if you all know this, but there is a major tension between theology proper and practical theology.
1: Oh, I've always, almost always has been. Yeah, no, but this is a thing.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. because when you add the human element, things change.
1: Things get messy.
2: <laughs> and people <laughs> yeah. don't like the church. People don't like never, mess and mystery. Yeah, the church has yeah. just never done well with messy. Mm.
1: No. Mm-mm.
2: We want to have the answers to give people. And we want to
1: have it cut and dried, nice and neat, and clipped exactly. corners. Very don't rock clean, the boat. And Don't rock the boat. Yeah. I'm
2: getting a lot of snarky questions on oh Twitter my. today.
1: For
0: me, uh, just in general. Snark, snark, snark. Where does the word homosexual appear in King James version? It doesn't. Let's just. It doesn't appear in the King James version. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, fun fact about King James version. King James was the biggest queen ever. <laughs>
1: Well, that's true,
0: and uh, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not. You would up,
2: have to be to use language like that.
0: I'm, well. I'm not up on my history. Uh, King James was very gay. He was flaming. So, and then here's another question from Grace. Uh, our good friend, Grace, she who... She asks
1: good questions. She asks very yeah. good
0: questions. Do you miss anything from from the Catholic tradition?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I do mean, too. I mean, of course.
0: I miss it so much. Yeah. I miss Catholicism so much that I feel like my faith has kind of been destroyed because there's so much that I miss.
1: I definitely feel as though, oh my gosh, I miss so much. I miss so much. Catholicism is so wonderful and textured and beautiful and layered and old and new and... And um, and just just so beautiful. It's really a beautiful thing. Did she say specifically what do I miss?
0: Do you miss anything? Do
1: I miss anything about the Catholic Church? And tradition? that's the thing. I'm not sure I could put my finger it's on. It's
0: just the whole.
1: It's the whole thing. It's yeah. the whole thing. You fell in love um, with just
0: the whole thing. I did. Yeah, I did too. And
1: yeah, no. And so when when I came to face, like I say, the the scan, the modern scandal in the church. Um, it was it was certainly devastating, and uh, I'll tell you what I don't miss, <laughs> and I'm sure there are many people who would jump on me for this one, but uh, as a as a woman, I I don't miss being a second class citizen, and I, I hate to say it's but it's it's true.
2: I was never well. I almost became Catholic. I had mm-hmm. really considered it. <laughs> you, you
1: flirted it. with. Catholicism. I, I flirted
2: with Catholicism, but just to kind of relate to that story, you know, I was raised very. <laughs> old school Pentecostal and by mm-hmm. that I mean very much what we in the mountains would call holiness people
1: mm-hmm. by that do you mean the Pope was the Antichrist
2: yes ha <laughs> the Catholic church was definitely the horror of Babylon oh my but uh that wasn't talked about much but it was a very uh ascetical spiritual tradition women could pastor churches but heaven forbid they wear makeup mm-hmm. mm. or cut their hair or, cut or, their wear, hair pants. or wear pants yeah And, uh, but there are some, I mean, there was some, people knew what they wanted.
4: Hmm.
2: You know, the the thing that I miss from Pentecostal, from that type of Pentecostalism to what I'm living now is that people seem to know what they, what they wanted. They knew what their goal was.
1: Well, here's the thing. Surety, or at least I'm going to go ahead and say it's the illusion of surety, Mm -hmm. Is comforting. It's very comforting. It feels so safe and warm and fuzzy and comforting. Um, and
0: the more you're there, mm-hmm. the more terrifying that lack of surety feels. Yeah. the yeah. The more you, the more you nestle into that warm mm-hmm. sense of false security, the more terrifying asking questions becomes. And
2: that's one thing I don't think people. On the outside looking in to us crazy millennials who, you know, started out uber conservative and then have just jumped to the whole other end of the spectrum. Don't understand that we didn't. We just didn't wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to be a raven liberal now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: no. You know, a
2: lot of, as Justin Bryant would say, "A Kayla Bryant, right?
0: Justin Bryant, Justin Caleb L- Bryant, yes, friend of the show, designer of the logo. Anyway, go on.
2: Said you, you know on that whole episode of deconstruction. Deconstruction is a very hard thing painful, to go and painful thing long, to go through. Yeah. and it's and it's scary, yes. especially when you realize, like I did, that coming to these conclusions mean, means in a lot of ways you're you're letting go and distancing yourself. From something that is so deep in your DNA, I'm gonna that... tell
1: I'm gonna tell uh, our listeners like when when I really really started asking deep questions about you know do I can I be affirming of LGBTQ uh, people and and relationships from a from a Christian perspective, I t- like I told Stephen it felt like <laughs> it felt like the movie Gravity it felt like I was on a spaceship in a spacesuit. And had let go. And I was floating off into space yes. completely untethered. Yes. And just alone. It's terrifying. Like that's how scary it and disorienting it was. Yes,
2: it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, and that's one reason I do ask, if I may humbly ask, LGBTQ people to...
1: Please be patient. Please be
2: patient. <laughs> please. Because...
1: This is terrifying. You know,
2: Danielle and I are allies now. But it took us a while to get there mm. because we felt that, at least I know I felt because being from a Wesleyan background, we didn't believe in eternal security. So, uh, meaning once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, you know, so any little thing you did, the the bowels of hell would open wide and suck you in. <laughs> I mean, all... <laughs> Most of our uh, young people got saved every week. All the
1: Catholics. One more thing they agree. <laughs> I, yeah, but yeah, but I mean,
2: at least y'all had purgatory. Well,
1: true, and confession.
2: Yeah, and uh, oh. when you start to question what you'd all what you've always been taught to believe, and what you genuinely believed at one time was true, yeah it, it's scary. It's hard. There's a lot of risk involved.
0: Yeah. And and none of this is to say that that pain comes, is is similar to the pain of being no gay, absolutely, no. but it's still pain. And and so you're not saying that you as straight people hurt more, no, absolutely, but just that you have genuine feelings, yeah, that you have that you have genuine processes and feelings, Mm -hmm. and that you are human beings, and it takes time, Mm -hmm. and that's that is simply and it's terrifying, Mm -hmm. and that's just the reality.
1: And and I would I would add a caveat, you know, LGBTQ folks, if you can, please be patient. Like I. I, I, yeah. <laughs> That's, that is an important caveat. Yeah. And,
2: also, and also and LGBT. A, and I'll give one too that first and foremost, I love people. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, so I don't put any qualifiers on that. Yes. You know, so whether I'm unsure about something or not, or I don't understand something.
1: Or if I disagree with something. Or someone. if I
2: disagree with something does not in any way mean that I don't affirm anybody absolutely as an equal mm-hmm. human being of worth and dignity yes because there's nothing further from the truth mm. than to say that I view an LGBTQ person as less than mhm absolutely and because of that I have no I had no choice ultimately but to be affirming
0: but uh, yeah it's a slippery slope it, it, it really is, is. It, if you if you come to you know Patrick Gothman la, uh, last month he he was a guest and, and I had him on to talk about gay celibacy and he said he has a really great insight where the church the Christian world essentially asks two impossible things of us they, they ask the church to see gay people as as fundamentally equal and loving as and lovable and made in the image of God and that, that As
1: born with a fundamental moral flaw.
0: And, and that gay people <laughs> yeah. are fundamentally broken in a way that no other human being is. Yeah. And basically what, you know, Patrick's insight was that you you can't hold both of those forever if you know gay people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely and not. You, yeah. yeah, you, you can't yeah. hold that dissonance forever. And if you try to... You're just going to be in a daze, and you're not going to be able to engage that person. But if you truly engage that person, you're either going to disengage because that belief that they are fundamentally broken in a way that no other human being is is going to 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 cause such cognitive dissonance that you're going to distance yourself. Or you're just going to slide right into being fully affirm, being fully affirming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really one or the other yeah. when it comes to on the ground engagement with gay people. Right. And,
2: my, and See, the, I
1: thought I could. I thought I could, you know. A be, lot be of very, people. Be very good and old friends with Stephen and, and sort of remain in that tension. And you saw, y'all you see what happened. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to go ahead and call it. Um, and I know so many people are going to get could get really upset, upset by this. I'm going to call it the slippery slope of grace. Mm. I really am.
0: And it's a wonderful slippery slope. Yeah,
1: it is. It <laughs> I'm going to say it. I, I really am. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Well, it's just like I said with you and John, there is no way I could look at that mm. and see that as a flawed thing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And. It's a redemptive progression.
2: It was a very redemptive thing. and Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, that you can't tell me God's not in that. Absolutely. And yeah. that the Holy Spirit's not all over that thing. Mm-hmm. And it's
1: well, and it's so funny because, like I say, I, I worked very closely with this ministry, this Presbyterian ministry that that deals with the work of the Holy Spirit, and they they taught me some principles of discernment. Yes. <laughs> and and then i applied them and then i came to a different conclusion than then you know these sort of leaders and mentors and what do you do with that
0: exactly and, and you know a lot of a lot of these conservative christians they they valued truth they taught me to value truth and they mm-hmm. taught me to question mm-hmm. everything they taught me to well they
1: taught me that the, the to
2: test stuff the
1: believer plus the holy spirit plus scripture equals, you know, the, the empowerment to live a Christian walk.
2: It's a very Wesleyan thing for a bunch yeah. of Calvinists to well.
1: say <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, of course, you know, you you should be the idea was you should be also in a community of believers. But yeah, no, and it was a very it was a very non hierarchical kind of model that I was taught. And I was taught to, you know, search the scriptures and pray about things and discern things and then I did. And then yeah.
3: And then you did, and now here you you are.
2: When you see people's pain, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's anything more fundamental to Christianity, for me, it's that I can, under no circumstances, cause harm to somebody else.
1: Well, and I will say that seeing people's pain and also seeing the good fruit of LGBTQ people and relationships was the catalyst for me to really begin that process of discernment. Mm -hmm
2: as yeah. a matter of fact since we are, since the particular brand of pentecostalism i come from is wesleyan pentecostalism you know there is a well known the quadrilateral yes <laughs> but there's an even there's another thing it's a very small book called the simple way mm. and it's for it's by basically you follow these three principles and you're always going to be following the path of holiness mm. and the first one is do no harm
3: mm.
2: mm-hmm. and for that to be the case, we cannot cause pain or harm to other individuals. And when I saw firsthand, yeah, not just with you, but with another mutual friend of ours. yes, th-
1: The pain and the harm. That the yeah.
2: imposition of celibacy on someone who is not called to it. Or the imposition of,
0: of straightness on someone or who is not straight. Or the imposition of
2: straightness on somebody who is not straight harms them absolutely
1: and you know what it often harms the people around them yeah I exactly
0: do. no a lot of people around me were very hurt it was like these, these these shock waves these radiating waves of pain from me trying to be celibate me trying to be straight etc etc
2: and just trying to toe the line
0: there are a lot mm-hmm. of people who are victims of anti-gay bias and it isn't just the gay people it's the people around the gay person as yeah.
2: well Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest regrets I have in, in my life is that in my very conservative days, I don't even know on a fundamental level that I ever truly believed this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But because it was what I was supposed to believe, mm-hmm. I, I made the statement and I wrote a letter to the editor my senior year, I think it was, what, or maybe junior year, whatever year Hurricane Katrina hit. Mm-hmm. Stating that oh, you I... didn't. Yes, I did. Oh. Yes, I did. I wrote a letter to the editor saying that it was, amongst other things, that it was gay people that...
0: That caused Mm it.
2: That caused the hurricane.
0: I am not that fabulous. I think I'm. I might think I'm fierce, but I'm not (laughs) not that that fierce. fierce. But
2: the thing is, is I meant at the time I meant it. Yeah. And I thought that was a loving thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And look at you now. Look at me now. I mean, surely I've made up for it by this point. But I know. I know firsthand because my cousin come to me we went to high school at the, at the time she was trans mm-hmm. he was trans pardon me mm-hmm. pronoun we got proper. it yeah gotcha <clears throat> well at the time he the identified time. as a lesbian yeah so okay. okay you know and his partner at the time come to me and confronted me over it and all i said is all i can do is show you what the Bible says, and of course we're out right to Romans we go. Oh dear, Romans in my, 1. In my Jimmy Swaggert study Bible. Oh dear. And, uh, <laughs> that I carried yeah. with me all the time. Oh wow. And uh, yeah, we wouldn't have been friends in high school. We would not have been friends you in high school. You would have stayed as far away from me as possible. So, So there's a point here. That I think is really important, but that but that is still I do have to say that as at this point in my life that is one of my that's
0: one of your few, biggest regrets one of
2: my biggest and few regrets. Mm.
0: Yeah.
2: And I know I've apologized. It's yeah. not like I, I don't know why I saw John as the as the confessor for that, but I've apologized. He's like you couldn't help it; you were young.
0: Yeah. Well, but, there's there's a point here to be made, which is that the is that progress and the future is dependent upon conversion. Mm-hmm. The future depends on people who previously believed something different and now believe something, who are now affirming.
1: And honestly, the biggest factor, the biggest catalyst for that conversion, which is why I feel like I have a lot of hope, is often simply knowing LGBTQ mm-hmm. people personally.
0: And this is not yeah. to say that the pressure is on LGBT no, people. No, no, no.
1: To... But as you simply be yourselves. Be
0: like, yourselves. Yeah. And if you are able, you know, there many times... We LGBT people, we are under so much pressure and it hurts so much. We just can't be around straight people sometimes. And we just can't be around conservative people or people who disagree with. And and I had to distance myself from, from conservative people for years for a season. And that's totally okay. And if that's where you are, then
2: honor that and there is and do what you need to do. And from a pastoral standpoint, if I could say the only people you're responsible for, other than yourself of course, Mm -hmm. is to love the people around you at any given time. Yes. So if you are, if you've had to separate yourself from other, from straight individuals and can only be surrounded by your fellow LGBTQ friends, Mm -hmm. so be it. Absolutely. Do what you need to do to heal. Because people, here's the thing, straight people, this sounds so weird, This is an old Sunday school thing. People will always be watching you Mm. from afar. Mm -hmm. And they notice things. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, so just by you loving the people around you well. Absolutely. That can be seen from the hetero people around you. That you can't be around, but that are keeping up with you on social media. Absolutely. That are keeping up with you on Twitter and things like that. That see you in From their... Far, you that know? see you in their places of business and see how you treat people. That's what it takes. It's just you being you. Absolutely. And, and loving the people around
0: you. Live the life that you feel like you need to live with what has been given to you. And... Holiness that, is cult, not exactly. called. Exactly. So. And, and so, you know... <laughs> and (laughs) not but and the way the way towards the future towards towards a better happier and and more equal future for everyone is through conversion through Uh people having these conversions of heart from old beliefs that are damaging to new beliefs that are affirming. And the and usually the way that happens is through knowing a gay person. Mm-hmm. If you are not that gay person That's or okay. trans person, that is okay. That is neither better nor worse.
2: Yeah, you don't have to be that person. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, so we're coming to the end here. Uh, I'm going to ask this just purely out of vanity. What was your favorite Sacred Tension episode this year? Oh, oh my favorite.
2: Hmm. <sighs> Oh, that's mm. hard.
0: Because you know, I've just been experimenting a lot, experimenting with a lot of different formats and subjects, and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. So, what was your favorite episode?
1: I'm gonna be a snot and say it was four episodes because it was the four parter where you and Matt went through the lang- the oh, Nashville. I, I'm gonna agree with yeah. you. I think yeah. that was my favorite that's too. My favorite.
2: <laughs> I mean, nothing is funnier yeah. than reading that
0: horrible, horrible document to a gay person. I mean, oh, I w- I don't know man. if I would call that funny. The way you did it's it, it was funny.
2: It's funny when you're it, slightly drunk. It's when funny you're when me and
0: Matt it. do it.
1: It's funny when you two do it. No, I agree. That and was uh, a pretty good yeah, one. Yeah, no, and I just I just listened to it, and I don't know if if maybe all of the listeners picked up on all of the Christianese in that document, but I feel like I did. <laughs> oh boy, Listen to you two read it loud Pick and clear. It apart was if amazing. you
0: have not yet listened to that four part series definitely go back and do it so i think one i think my favorite episode is probably the the one with the lowest audio quality and it's now actually super embarrassing that it's <laughs> on the web but i'm going to keep it up there because you know i think that progression is important and i think
1: the content is important and i think
0: the content yeah. is important i think the one that i personally enjoyed the most was my conversation with david dark And I really want to have him back on now that I've kind of figured my shit out a bit more (laughs) with podcasting. Right. Uh, He was the second episode. Um, I also really enjoyed Chris Shelton and his story of coming. That has
2: prompted me, by the way. You wouldn't think, because from some of the questions on Twitter, you just say the word Pentecostal, and it brings up all kinds of perceptions of people. But I've actually very much so fell in love with his YouTube podcast, and oh yeah, I, and I watch it, it quite regularly. That's the sensibly speaking podcast. Yes, yeah, man. so
0: and he's actually he's he's going to do more shows with me, and so I'm really excited oh, about good. that. For people who don't know, Chris Shelton is a former Scientologist and and kind of a cult expert, and and really really interesting
2: and isn't insightful. It kind guy. of scary that. So much of it resonates with us who, by uh, all, account, yes. by all uh. accounts, were... Uh,
1: <laughs> Grew up in just, you know, your average religious denomination. So yeah. Garden variety. Yeah. Garden yeah.
2: variety <laughs> religion. But, uh, oh gosh, I, and I'll stroke your vanity a little bit even more, is the fact that there's not one I don't like. Well, that's good. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I love I love them all for, for different reasons because they Me too. I, I really enjoyed
0: the Grand House Theology one. Mm-hmm. I this one is not out as of this recording but my my series with the drag queen Miss Ida Oh that was sad. on being oh,
1: you know, on, I'm looking forward to I'm a it. lifelong
2: not a lifelong friend but a long time friend A long time friend to of too, Miss Ida so and, uh, mm-hmm. So we have lots of Pentecostals awesome Pentecostals love us some drag queens. I mean, just look at our own. Just look at some people. Google, t- Google Tammy Faye Baker. Google Tammy Faye yeah. Baker and Google old school Pentecostal hairstyles. And you will see.
0: You will see where the drag queens
2: got it. You will see where they got it.
0: So, all right. Well, I think that's it for the show. I, uh, If you have any suggestions for 2018 for the show, Please let me know. Please send me a message on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Leave me a comment. I would love to hear from you. You can also find all my work, numerous articles on faith, doubt, LGBT issues, science, whatever strikes my fancy, at sbradfordlong.com. Are you still posting new articles? I am still posting new articles. I've I've wanted to know that, and I'm
2: like, he's got to mention that on his website. I am back
0: to posting regular articles, regular articles. Plug, plug. Now, yes, now release every Thursday, new podcast episodes every Monday. So, uh, by we, the
2: way, <laughs> yes, I I'm the interrupter in the group. That that's okay. It's true. Further plug for those of you who are wanting to reach out, like like Stephen said, you by no means have to be that person who is the one who who has to be the token gay person. Yes. But if you find yourself in that situation. And you need material for to show your powers that be, be they family or whatever. The sake, This podcast, well, maybe not this podcast. Maybe not the podcast, but the, podcast. Uh, the blog. The yeah. blog, definitely. Is oh, that's sweet of you to is say. is something that you can use. I mean, he's been quoted in other works and books on the subject of LGBT inclusiveness and affirmation. And so... That's a good, from a conservative, now turned affirming and liberal, we'll just say it. You know. Claim it. Name it and claim it, I (laughs) name it and I claim it in Jesus' name. I plead the blood over there. But uh, if that Christianese doesn't terrify you. (laughs) Nothing will. Nothing will. But, uh, yeah, use those articles because they have been very helpful for me and in my own uh, journey. If you don't want to say anything else to your straight, Family or whatever that's that's on the fence and doesn't know, just send them the link to to his. Boy.
0: Oh, that's sweet. That's very nice of you to say. <laughs> well, before we head on out, I have some news to end out 2017. Matt Langston, friend of the show, he is the one-man project, the Jelly Rocks, who provided all the music for the show. His other band, 117. Now, it's a popular punk pop band, and you might have grown up listening to him. Uh, if you were in high school in, in uh, Christian circles, you might have grown up listening to 117. Well, they have their first studio album out in years, in several years, I think, since 2011, and it is really awesome. So instead of my regular outro, we're going. I'm going to just play one of their songs. If you like it, go check it out. It's called Rad Science, and you can get it wherever
2: you buy music. Feel like a rebel. This is how Christian I was. Christian pop rock was a no no. So I, don't, I have no idea who that is.
0: So basically, we need to get you in on. Uh, yeah. We need to get you listening yeah. to 117. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm willing. Now, 117, they would probably object to being a Christian band at this point, but you know, you can listen to their podcast, 110 Life, to sort that out.
1: Happy holidays, guys.
0: Happy holidays. Don't die. <laughs> uh, we'll see you in 2018. Crast is born. Etcetera.
2: Etcetera.